once we can be in that position where we're taking charge, I think people would actually feel better in the long term. That doesn't mean we're not going to have short-term chaos, which we're already experiencing. So what can we do to get ahead of it? And we have to be decisive. That's Lisa Cruz, president and owner of Red Shoes PR. I've interviewed her before on WGN Radio a while back, but spoke with her late last week from home about crisis communications. Because right now, crisis communication is a thing that a lot of us are thinking about and talking about. With a global pandemic unfolding right in front of our eyes, with misinformation circling around, even when good intentions are behind it, when state and local officials are holding press briefings to tell constituents what's next, even when, and I'm looking at you, St. Patrick's Day revelers, even when the information in those briefings totally gets ignored. And meanwhile, some federal officials are making what I think it's fair to say are some pretty questionable moves in terms of being straightforward and reassuring about what's ahead. Let's get into it right on the other side of this. The world according to Goof. You guys ready? Relax while Amy takes you on a roller coaster ride of emotions and common sense. You know, change is the only certainty in radio. It's her take on everyday sh- Things that tend to happen to normal people like you. It is okay not to succumb to the marketing ploys that are out to make us all feel like we're not good enough as we are. Take a look at the world from Amy's point of view. Just because the radio station's plans have changed doesn't mean that my plans have changed. The world according to Guth. So I opened this conversation with Lisa Cruz about crisis communication by asking what are the key things people need to be thinking of, especially small business owners. The first message that I would deliver to everyone is it's up to all of us, business owners, citizens, to remain calm. I think that that is the biggest thing we can do as a society to combat this. That is the first thing that I have been working with organizations on and then backtracking and and figuring out a plan of attack, what their next steps are. But again, it all goes back to remaining calm. And let me ask you about that, because I've been thinking very deeply about this. Early on in this, there was this narrative that your alternatives were either freaking out or just being kind of apathetic or too too cool for it. But it seems like, and I'm glad to see this too, that this third option has emerged, and that is having accurate information, making your plan and moving forward. When you have encountered panic around this so far? What has that panic looked like? Well, I'll tell you one story that I shared to another outlet a few days ago is I heard of another organization where the administrators were in an office, like furiously preparing and running in and out of the room. And the people around them were like, oh my gosh, what's going on? So actions are a huge part of this. And then the communications that have to go with this. So if people are communicating, remember, it's not just your words, it's your actions too. It's like people really need to just think long-term, think short-term, but at the center of all that, it really is up to us to remain calm and do our part in ways that we can. So what are some things that people need to think through when they're thinking about developing that communication, both for the short term and the long term? You know, this is an unprecedented time. So a lot of people are just kind of trying to figure it out hour by hour. But what are some kind of basic things that that would apply for anybody trying to make a communication plan right now? I always go back to my, my three cornerstones, look at people, process, and technology. And you and I talked about this before. At the very least, start there. Think about people. Okay, think about my employees. Think about, and again, this crisis is multifaceted. So you really have to think about not only is it my employees, my family members, it's my customers. How does that play out? And what can I do to ensure the health of everyone around me or impacted by my business? 
And then looking at the process. So if there is, let's say an employee shows up and is exhibiting symptoms, what does your process look like to make sure that that person is not on site? Um, And what are the next steps? Is it you have to call your benefits person to talk through that as well? Like, what do they recommend? Or if you have to make a call to the CDC. And then I look at your channels or your technology. What do you have in place that can ensure some sort of continuity with communications then moving forward? So I always boil it down to people, process, and technology. And if you can just start there, that'll help kind of calm you down and figure out what can I control? What are the things I can do in this very moment? Because if you start to get ahead of yourself a little bit, and don't get me wrong, I also want people to start getting ahead of it. But at that very moment when you're starting to feel a little panic, boil it down to people, process, technology. What can I control? What can I do this very second to take ownership of this and then move it forward from there? And then how do you balance, okay, I need to get a hold of my immediate stuff, my process, my people, my technology, get all those ducks in a row. How is it even feasible to be thinking long term right now? I know we should, but what does that look like when we have the kind of the urgent stuff really, really competing for our attention right now? I know we're running into that across the board with a ton of organizations right now. So get a handle on what is presented before you today, what you can control. And then when you have a moment or two, start playing it out. So if I do this, what do the dominoes look like moving forward? And then again, bring people, process, and technology to that foresight and then start to move things forward too. So you can get on the opposite end of being proactive versus right now, everything is so incredibly reactive because this changes minute by minute. So, you know, start with yourself, figure out what you need to do now. And then once you have a couple minutes, start to play that out or ask others on your team if you have those available resources to start playing out some other scenarios. Who maybe needs a crisis communication plan right now who might not be thinking about making one? Everyone needs a crisis communication plan right now. A hundred percent. I can't even tell you, you know, being a, a crisis communication professional and also I, I term myself a catastrophic thinker. And many times I have conversations with organizations and I play things out for them. And it's, it's hard because people don't want to think worst case scenario, but you have to push yourself to think along those lines. Small business, large business, everyone should have, even if it's one piece of paper that just you can plot things out a little bit, one page, that is fine. At least start somewhere, start jotting things down again, because it's moving so fast. So you kind of need, you know, to take notes along the process, but everyone needs a crisis communication plan. And, you know, Amy, we we're talking about crisis communications, but the part that I think where people fall short to a small business owner is operationally, you got to figure this stuff out now. So don't wait. You know what's going on around you. Start figuring it out operationally, and then the communications should support those decisions you've made operationally. So I can tell you as a small business owner, we sent off the the warning shot to organizations about three weeks ago already. And then we started galvanizing about what are we going to do as a small business? I mean, there's only nine of us. So we started looking at our people, our process, our technology, and started test running things early on. So when we needed to remove remotely to working remotely, 
we had everything in place. So the, the funny thing is too, and maybe it's not so funny, is when I started the business back in 2008, we set the business up to be remote. So no matter where anyone is, they could take things online. We have an online server. We have every technology you could think of, everything set up online versus um, an in-house server. So as long as you have internet, we're working. I think that this does open up a lot of, I think the last week or two even has really opened up a lot of conversations about the way we do business that I think will be really interesting to follow in the months ahead once we're on the other side of this. Because I think a lot of people are suddenly going, you know what, actually this was a good exercise. I hated that I had to do this and why I had to do it, but actually this made me really consolidate my workday or change these things or it kind of made us come up with this epiphany. Not trying to necessarily be Pollyanna about such a dire thing, but I think it will be interesting because there's no way we get out of this and just go back to normal. This will, I think, in the span of a week, this has profoundly changed the nature of the way we all do business. And I don't know that we emerge from this on the other side and just kind of go back to normal. I really think that we will see some some impact in the way that, w- the way that we do work and, and kind of more broadly, the way we structure our businesses. Oh, I 100% agree with you. It is profoundly changing the way businesses run today. But I also, like, I look on the opposite end, and maybe this is optimistic, but it really challenges all of us to be innovative. You know, bring ideas forth. How can we do things better, especially now? And to your earlier point, too, it is, it's almost like a run-through. This is this is bad, but it's also forcing us to discover where we fall short in many of these different areas. So that is a good thing. If there's a silver lining It really is forcing people, business owners, small business owners to rethink the whole structure of business as we knew it a couple of weeks ago. What about, I mean, we're talking about teams being remote. What about people that that have like the solopreneur kind of job, but still needs to keep going through this? What kind of communication strategy should they think about? I actually have a friend who is a solo entrepreneur, and she put out the word today, like, let me know if you have business needs. I'm working remotely from home. And, you know, she's putting that out there because there is a fine line, like business needs to go on. We need business to go on as a country. So it's being cautious, but it's also letting people know our services or my service is available for you, whatever it may be. So it's, again, it forces people, those alone, maybe a freelancer to also get out there more proactively and offer their services, which is a great thing. There's always opportunity. It's just a matter of finding it now and it might be a little bit harder. Yeah, I think a lot of people are kind of rethinking, okay, does the thing that I do, is it needed right now? Or is a little bit of a shift needed to make it work in a different way? I think there's been some interesting conversations. I also think it's fascinating how everybody's professional professional life has shifted to like Zoom and FaceTime right now. I think that's really, really interesting that technology is keeping people connected, where even I think just a couple months ago, there were so many people bemoaning, oh, it's, you know, separating us and dividing us. Well, I think that's shifted a little bit. And we've, we, we have, an opportunity to see how technology is connecting us through a, a you know very dire and serious thing at the moment. I can tell you as an entrepreneur, um, a small business and an extrovert, I have always put the emphasis on having an office space where we're creating this awesome culture. And I have tried in the past with employees working remotely and we stumbled. We couldn't make it work. I'll tell you this time around, I truly 
like it was a lesson for me that we can make this work with the technology we have available. And we just had a staff meeting, a conference call, a video call this morning, and somebody made the comment, one of my employees made the comment, like, we just, you know, I miss this. We need to just get on the line and just talk more as people now versus all business. And I love that. So we're making it work. But I'll tell you, speaking as a an extrovert, this is a tough one for me. This, I love interacting with people in person. So it's a shift for me to rethink how I approach our culture as a business. And, you know, I'll tell you the first couple of days of this too, when we started working remotely, I just literally made a video call or called every employee just to check in with them, just to see how they were doing as people. So I don't want business owners to overlook that, you know, the mental health connection and the strength we can find together using those technologies, we shouldn't overlook that because it is so stressful right now. If you have an opportunity, just pick up the phone or do a text just to reach out to your employees. That is reassuring and that that comes across as calm and we're doing what we can as small business owners to keep things running. I think it's interesting. And I also think it's fascinating how many people are talking about being introverted or extroverted right now. I'm an introvert and I fake extrovert really well, but I, I kind of <laughs> like I limit my like, okay, I've had two things where I've had to go to an event and socialize this week. I need to be home and quiet and reading and just kind of focused on some stuff myself. And, and it's interesting how many people are talking about that because I think introverts are like, okay, this is my moment. I'm good. I can do this. And extroverts are like, I need to talk to people. I think it's so interesting. Yeah, you know, a great example of that is I was joking on our conference call this morning earlier this week, I FaceTime one of my employees who I've worked with for 13, 15 years. And she continued to work on her computer while I was just sitting there on FaceTime, like just piping up every minute or so, throwing stuff out at her. And it was like, it was the best I could do in the moment to replicate being in the office where I would just pop into her office. But this time we were just using FaceTime, you know, and I got enough interaction and she kept working and we were able to throw some ideas back and forth, but I managed. I want to shift a little bit because there's a lot of people talking about the way some communication has gone. I won't ask you to weigh in on politics and examine that because that's more time than we have. We need hours and hours for that. But I've been interested to watch the way that public officials, you know, have had to approach the way kind of you have to do it in waves, right? No public official could just come out and say, okay, everybody shelter in place or hey, everybody, this is what we're doing. It's been please avoid this. Please, if you can work from home, it's like you have to kind of do that. That in waves. Are there any kind of fundamental insights you could share about crisis communication that you've seen done really well or that you've you've noticed, oh, that's this technique or, or something like that that you could kind of analyze for us a bit? Well, that is a heavy question um, without going into politics. But I will tell you this, that the drip, drip, drip of information coming through to the business community at the communities at large has been painful. I know working with companies on crisis from the communication side of things, you have to rip the Band-Aid off. And that means getting to the root of the problem and doing whatever it takes to mitigate long-term chaos. So I have been watching almost every press conference, the messaging coming out from elected officials. So I will just tell you, generally speaking, it's been way behind the eight ball, and they have been in a place of reaction versus being proactive. And I also, I don't know if this is going too far down the political path, but as a country, like, 
whatever it is we need to do, let's rip the Band-Aid off and do it. And I know it's going to be short-term pain, but it will be for long-term gain. And that is really, really important to stress. So anytime we approach a crisis situation, we always position and posture things as be proactive, get the story out, be owner of your narrative versus everyone spreading misinformation because things start to leak out. So that is one thing I have just noticed over and over again, watching everything, forget the drip drip, like let's rip the bandaid off, let's go. And once we can be in that position where we're taking charge, I think people would actually feel better in the long term. That doesn't mean we're not going to have short term chaos, which we're already experiencing. So what can we do to get ahead of it? And we have to be decisive and we have to be harsh, but we have to get it out there. So I hope that that answers your question a little bit. Definitely. Yeah. No, I think that's that that's really insightful. I think that's important because two two things that I thought of while you were saying that that as a journalist, I was so exhausted by the waves of misinformation because I feel a moral and ethical obligation. If I see misinformation, I have to correct it, even if it's just kind of someone tweeting something. And sometimes that can be a full-time job when there's a lot of misinformation. And I think my hunch has been that it's been fueled by the drip, drip, drip. Instead of, hey, this is the deal. This is what we're going to need to do eventually. I think the drip, drip, drip has led to a lot of skepticism. I think it's led to a lot of, oh, it's just the flu. It's not just the You know, I think it's led to a lot of people feeling like they could dismiss it, perhaps as a defense mechanism even. I think it's led to a lot of, I mean, I've I've had in the last 24 hours probably seven people. I'm on a bunch of different text threads and Slack channels for the different things I work on. And memes pop up and people want to be hopeful and they'll get a screen grab and say, oh, I heard that wearing a copper bracelet will kill. I'm like, guys, come on. (laughs) Like, come on. You got to not be thinking that way. You know, I think the misinformation is absolutely fueled by lack of clear leadership information. And then the other piece of that a little bit is how frustrating it was to see such a disconnect when people were being told, hey, even if you're healthy, you need to limit your activities. And I think that the word inconvenience kind of comes up. People were like, hey, be inconvenienced now because it's a it's not about you. It's a bigger picture. It's a bigger thing. And I think that message was very, very difficult to communicate. Where I saw that very in a very big way was right after Governor Pritzker here in Illinois closed down restaurants. He basically said, hey, I told you, and yet all of you idiots went out on St. Patrick's Day and I saw lines around the corner at bars. No. I mean, it was kind of like, we can't have anything nice here. (laughs) We can't do this. And I thought that was very interesting. And it's been frustrating to see that kind of skepticism in there. I think it's probably natural on some level for people to do, but it's been very frustrating to see, oh, you know, people in their 20s going like, oh, I'm young and healthy. I can go party on St. Patrick's Day. And that's, I think, what led the governor to go, look, I told you, and you didn't do what I told you. Exactly. And, you know, just to go back regarding the misinformation, too, is a huge part of this is streamlining the information that's coming out. So I, I, as a business owner, I was like constantly for weeks now, I was checking the World Health Organization, like looking for what is the one authority I can go to where I can get the answers I need. So there's been a lack of streamlining the factual information out there, you know, and that goes from the federal to all the way down to the business communities. I mean, it just 
spread, again, because there wasn't a lot of proactive stance regarding what we're going to do, the communications. There wasn't one source. Again, I just think back to the early days. I was constantly searching anywhere for somebody to provide some guidance, and I had to kind of piecemeal it together. And then the misinformation, I think all of us, from a citizen's perspective, I, I love what you're doing, that you're tamping that down and doing what you can because we need to. We need the right information out there because that will help guide our future efforts moving forward. The misinformation right now, I understand people are panicked and everything else, but it, it doesn't help. It really doesn't help. I couldn't agree more. I think that's so important. So I think the other piece to think about here is that culturally, we're at a time where I think we are used to being able to Google something and get the answer immediately. I think especially in this country, we tend to be fairly impatient people culturally. We want what we want right then. We have to sit with unknown right now. And I think that poses a really interesting challenge for making communication plans. What is your advice there when you don't really know exactly how things are going to play out ahead? Oh, that's another loaded question. (laughs) There's so many thoughts that went through my head. It's up to us, you know, so I'm just going to address the misinformation out there and going back to each of us, like we need to use our deductive reasoning and critical thinking skills to the best of our ability. I will also tell you that just as a, a business owner and a mother and my husband is on the front lines as a physician in healthcare. So he was asking me today about, okay, they're asking me to work in the respiratory care clinic that they have just set up to deal with patients suffering uh, from COVID-19. And I literally, I'm like, I don't know what the best answer. He's asking my opinion, you know, do I offer myself up at this point? And in the meantime, we have two children with compromised immune systems. So, and I I just struggled with that. And I kind of turned it back on him. Like, I will support whatever you need to do at this time. It really requires all of us to just think through things short term, but also think about long term implications. There's just so much information out there right now and everything is changing so quickly on a minute by minute basis. Red Shoes is based in Wisconsin and you can find out more about their work and about Lisa at redshoespr.com. The World According to Guth is an independently produced podcast and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram by searching at Amy Guth. Thanks so much and I'll see you right back here next time.